I mean, let's be real about it. Nobody wants to be get be dead last, but not everybody's going to be MVP. Not everybody's going to be a, the top salesperson. Not everybody's going to be a world champion. Everybody's going to get a gold medal. You may not have a medal, period. But the fact is that if you're giving your best and you're, you're, you're trying, you are a champion. I don't care if you finish first, second, or third. I don't care if you make a national team. But long as you just, like I said, keep pushing forward, give it your best, give it your all. You're never topping out. You're never tapping out. Because to me, when you stop trying, that's when you fail. Welcome to the All In Podcast, where we dive into the mindset, habits, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. In All In, you can expect real and raw conversations with athletes, coaches, and leaders on topics like mental health, mindset, psychology, training, wellness, habits, and much more. We hope to leave you feeling empowered with motivational stories, relatable experiences, and actionable advice, and I know that I personally walk away from each episode learning something new. This week, we are joined by world champion 400-meter runner, author, and motivational speaker, Tyree Washington. If you don't know Tyree's story already, his teammates and competitors were involved in a major doping scandal that had world championships taken away from him due to his teammates' involvement, as well as coming second in the world to someone who was doping and then later being awarded the gold medal. In this episode, he shares his journey through childhood adversity like severe asthma and growing up around gangs and crime to becoming a world champion sprinter, his experience in the NFL, how to change your mindset and remain hopeful, and we have a deep discussion about our opinions on PEDs and doping in sport. So without further ado, let's go all in. Welcome to the podcast. It's so great to finally connect and have you on. Yeah, so I'm excited to be here, Ned. It's, it's a pleasure. We were just talking off uh, offline or put before hitting record um, about the temperature difference. I'm up here in Canada, you're on the West Coast in the desert, and you were saying it's like 125. And then you were kind of starting to get into, you know, that you like to go running when it's like 111, which I said I would be like inside and I would be melting. Can you explain <laughs> that mindset of wanting to lean into that discomfort and actually keep testing yourself, even though, you know, your, your career as uh, a sprinter is, is done? Yeah, I mean, I used to be a 400 meter runner. I mean, and I mean, for me, it was when I was getting ready to run in like Doha, Qatar, many years ago out in the Middle East. It was it was extremely hot. It was about like 120 in, in the shade. And so my coach, uh, Black Medium, which is like my pops, he passed away some months ago. But uh, he was like, we're going to train in the hottest part of the day out in San Bernardino, California. And it was I believe, it was like around 111, 112, roughly. But uh, it just it, it helped me to get acclimated, but it's also to get that, that mindset that that where I'm like where I'm gonna like where I'm gonna compete at it's gonna be extremely hot so so I have to be ready and but now that like you know post retirement post post 400 meter world champion NFL player all that stuff it it's I I like to test the waters I like to push myself and when I see like the weather's like 111 112 I'm like hey can I still go out there and run like like a mile or so a mile or so and and see if I have a little bit of juice in the tank and and for me, it's just, I know some people that are like, you're crazy, Ty. Like, why would you want to go run in 111 degree weather, 112 degree weather? But um, it's, 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 I just always look for ways to try to better myself. I always want to just elevate any which way I can. And, and for me, I know that if I could still go out there and run an eight minute mile, in 111, 112 degree weather, uh, or then, then I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still in a mix. I'm still feeling pretty good. So that's my mindset is always try to elevate, always try to just better myself um, physically, mentally, and, but also to take the rest. 
I mean, you, I mean, it's the rest is just as important as, as, as training. And sometimes I get caught up in that because I'm like, I'm just, I just, I like to go. So my wife's always telling me to slow down. My coach is always telling me to slow down, but when I'm in it, I'm in it to win it. So I, I do my best art. <laughs> I, I love that mindset and I love how it's continued. I think you see kind of a split when athletes career ends where some of them are like, just like you, they love to push. They're addicted to that growth of challenging their yes. limits. And then other ones who they were so focused on the results that when that career isn't there, there's nothing left to motivate them. So how yes. did you, did you always have that mindset of really focusing on the process and focusing on, you know, pushing yourself all the time, or were there times that you were more focused on the results and had to shift back? Well, I've always been focused on just trying to get better. Like I, it was never, I mean, I, I, well, I, let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. So when I was playing pop winter football out here in the States, right. As a youngster, I mean, coaches always told me practice makes perfect. Right. So I would go out there and have a great game, but it was, but, but it was never perfect. But, it, it, and I, I realized that later on in life that man, I would, I, I would score a lot of touchdowns. I would have a lot of receiving yards. I'm getting, I'm making, I, I made a lot of tackles and I'm watching film and it's like, yes. And my coach is like, man, Ty, you did great. But the big scheme of things, it was a never, per, it was a never perfect game. It was never a perfect game. It was a great game, but not perfect. So what I told myself later on in life is that Ty, don't worry about perfection, man. Just try to get better at everything that you do. And, and, and that's how I am because, because to me to be physically fit is just, that's part of my lifestyle. Just like I go eat breakfast in the morning, just like I got to go, I got, I got to put on my pants, my undies, whatever it may be. It's, it's a part of me. It's, it's, it's my lifestyle. So when I retired is I didn't retire from working out. I didn't retire from, from just um, constantly wanting to push myself and to take care of my temple because the body is a temple. You have to do whatever you can to, to make sure that it's going to continue to keep functioning. And, and nothing is a guarantee in life. I mean, it's just like, it's like we have car, you have car, you have a car, you have, you have vehicle, you have car insurance, you have insurance just in case you get an accident, you're going to be covered. I mean, you can work out, you can work out six days straight, you can eat right, but then you can, but then you can pop up with an illness. That's just out of your control. So I, I just encourage people just to control what you can't control and the things that you can't control, leave it alone. And, and I like to be transparent. Sometimes I, that's a hard, a hard pill for me to swallow because I don't follow my own advice. My wife looks at me like, like she looked at the side eye, like, okay, dude, um, you need to follow your own advice. So, <laughs> um, so I'm a human being. I'm not, a, I'm not a God. And and I'm, like I said, I'm not perfect, but I just try to get better. So that's why I just encourage each and every athlete, each and every individual out there uh, in the world is just uh, don't worry about perfection. Just try to get better in every aspect of your life. That's great advice and such a good mindset to keep and, and keep that up, you know, post playing career and just for life. And it seems like health in general is such a clear core value um, to yeah. you. And you're really living that out. Of course, like you said, you're not perfect. I'm sure there's days that it sucks or days that you don't listen when you are, should rest or vice versa. But I want to go back to the start of your journey and you grew up having asthma. Um, can yes. you, let, let's, let's go all the way back. Like how did you first get into sports and what was it like dealing with the adversity of those health issues? as well as, you know, the general adversity that you had with your family and your life and the circumstances that you were in? Well, it was frustrating because, I mean, I, I grew up in a very hostile environment and, and I was like, as a, as, a, as a youngster, I was around a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, a lot of prostitution, a lot of poverty. And I mean, people were getting killed, people were going to jail. So it was just, I mean, you know, this is all before reality TV hit. But to me, I always, I walked out of my front door and it was always, there was always reality TV. There was always something happening that was just very unfortunate. So you tend to, you, you tend to, 
you know, look at it when you're when you're constantly seeing that over and over again, you lose hope. You're like, man, this is my life. These things are not going to get any better. But for me, it was like I knew things. I, I, I knew there was something better um, out there in life for me. And I just have to continue to push myself and surround myself with the right people. Now, I got in trouble. I mean, I, I dabbled in the games, right? And I had a lot of friends had friends that got killed and went to jail. I mean, and, and just, I mean, dropped out of school. So that motivation is easily... And that motivation can be easy taken away from you because of what you see. But for me, I would always try to attach myself with, you know, attach myself to people who are doing great things, who are doing good things and who are trying to better themselves. And, and having asthma um, when I started playing football and I got involved in sports, playing football and track at a young age, it was tough because I was constantly, I was, I would go to practice. I would have an asthma attack. I would go to the hospital. I would go to a game. And then I would, and then sometimes during the game, I would have an attack and, and I'm trying to hit my rescue inhaler. And, and, and then if that didn't work, then I'm going to the hospital. Then it's like, if I'm at, I would come home from practice and I would have an attack. My mom's calling the ambulance. And so, so I, I pretty much lived in a hospital. It was like, that was like kind of my routine. And as, as a young child, and I felt like I had my own room in the hospital with my name on the door. Like it's, this is Tyree Washington because they knew I was coming. But I knew that for me, I had to just push myself you know, three, three, four, five times is harder than any other person that did not have any type of illness because I wanted to be the best. That was my mindset. And I knew that it was going to take some time, but I had to work hard. And I can't, I couldn't look at asthma as a, people look at it as a handicap, like it's a disability. I never looked at myself as that. I have this disability. I have like, I have um, something that's just going to impair me from being able to perform at a high level. It was like literally kind of, it was literally like, I knew it was like Superman has kryptonite that can, can shut him down for a little bit, but, but he was able to, you know, he, he was able to bounce back. I was like, Hey, I'm going to get hit with asthma as an attack, but I'm just going to bounce back and I'm going to try to come back stronger than ever and just try to make sure that uh, that I continue to take my medication so I can control it. I don't try to stress um, as stress as much because there's so many different tri triggers with um, asthma that can cause an attack. But um, it just, it motivated me. It motivated me. Having asthma is crazy. It motivated me to work harder, to want to be the best, um, the best football player, the best track and field athlete. And I didn't let that or anything um, hold me back from getting what I wanted to, um, to achieve in life. Wow. That's so incredible. And there's so many people who can relate. I'm sure there's, there's listeners to this episode who grew up with asthma or who have asthma. I, I personally grew up with asthma and uh, thankfully it wasn't as severe that I never ended up in the hospital, but I would love to ask you if you had people around you that told you you have asthma, maybe, you know, pursue something different other than sports or something, because asthma is such a, you know, it obviously affects your lungs you need your lungs for sports, especially like football and for track. Did you ever hear that? Did you just dig in further? Like you just had such a passion for sports and for bettering yourself that you just knew it wasn't ever going to be a limiter for you? Yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, many years ago, the doctors told my mother and my grandmother raised me that I would never be able to play sports because I was so sick. And, but I mean, they, they, they didn't, they didn't take that as the, the be all in all. They were like, no, he's going to play sports and we're just going to push him. And if he has to go to the hospital and get his medication, get his treatment, get a, a, a shot of steroids, whatever it may be, he's going to come back and do what he wanted to do. And I wanted to, and I didn't want to be one of the kids looking out the window at other kids that were just playing football in the streets or playing baseball or kickball, whatever it may be. I was like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be out there playing with us along with them. And, and so it just, uh, when those doctors said that to my mother, my grandmother, it just, it, to me, it just said more of a fire inside of me. It was, it, it was like more of a rage. Like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show you. And I ended up running the 400 meters 
uh, as a professional athlete and becoming the fastest man in the world twice. And even my 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 uh, my allergy and asthma specialist, uh, Dr. Maesh, who's, who's amazing, he was always just mind boggled. He's just like, I don't understand this because when I'm looking at your test, your test, your breathing tests are not good. You're not <laughs> supposed to sprint over four football fields having severe asthma. People don't realize I take I, I take Simbacord every single day. Like I take wow. a steroid every day and I can have an attack at any given moment. It doesn't really matter. I go out there and run. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm eating right. The, the, I'm, I'm eating right. Sometimes I'm, I'm a sweets guy. So I get caught up in that and I should be eating like seafood and I do, but, but, uh, attack, I can attack it happen at any given moment. And, and so I just always look at it like, how can I control it? How can I just lower my stress level? And then when it's time for me just to, to take a back seat and just relax, I'll take a back seat. But, but, uh, it just, uh, like I said, asthma, just, it, it just, it, 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 it caused more rage in me to, to, to want to, Go out there, like I said, to prove people wrong, and also too to show all the um, asthma sufferers that listen, I'm not any different than you. I mean, I, I have asthma just like you. I have it bad, but I took those baby steps to be able to get to where I wanted to be. And you have to have you have to have a positive village, right? Because um, you, I mean, you could be around a lot of people; and they could be negative. You have a positive village, and and you have to continue to work hard. And nothing's going to be given to you. You have to go out there, and you have to go out there and just take it. And 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 that's what I did. That's the type of mindset I have. I wasn't going to stop. I've had asthma attacks. While I was running in races overseas as um, as a professional track and foot athlete, and and I wouldn't stop. I mean, I had one in Osaka, Japan, and I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna die finish. I'm not gonna just quit. Um, that that was my mentality, and and I still was able to be. I still was able to place and beat a lot of athletes. So um, that's just you know my mental. I, I think it's like whatever your focus, whatever you're you're focusing on, that's what you're that's what's gonna track back in your life. So if you're if you're if if ninety percent of your focus is negativity. And ten percent is positive. Tony Robbins talks about this: is that that's what you're gonna get. That's what you're gonna. That's what you're gonna. Uh, that's what's gonna come back in your life. It's just gonna be like a boomerang effect. So you got to flip it. I mean, ninety percent has to be positive, and ten has to be then negative, and 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 that positivity is gonna come back in your life. So, so that that's always been my outlook: is I don't know everything. Um, I don't think I don't think that I'm the I don't think that I'm the best athlete in the world. But um, but I but I just but I just constantly just keep on pushing forward and just doing the best I doing the best I can. So I can be an example to other people out there in the world that have asthma. I, I think you're such a great example. I appreciate you sharing so transparently what you've gone through with that, as well as like, I, I just know firsthand how important it is visibility and that example of, of if you're going through an illness, like I know growing up, I never really thought about my asthma as really like a deterrent because I saw my dad and my grandma every day taking, yeah, the steroid puffers and, yeah. um, and they, you know, they are super active. My dad played football as well. Like he played all the different sports. And so it was just kind of like normal part of life. Um, you know, yes. allergy season's coming around. We got to take more medication yes. and right. And so I, I love how you're, you're doing that for other athletes and people who are going through that because asthma affects so many people. And can you share a little bit more about what you're doing with your nonprofit athletes versus asthma? I think that's so cool. Yeah. So our target is children and teens that have asthma. And I mean, in the U S you have roughly over like 6 million kids that are, that, that are asthmatic and that, and that's a lot. And, and I, when I, when I, 
look at that number, I, I just think about myself. I think about, man, I was like one of those kids. And, and I mean, I, as an adult, I'm still asthmatic and I missed, and I, I, thank God I, I don't spend, I don't have as, as many trips going to the ER and I'm, I'm being hospitalized, but I wanted to start athletes for asthma, my, my nonprofit, because I wanted to give back to kids who have asthma. Because like I said, whenever I say a kid has asthma, that has asthma, I see myself. And, and I, I wanted to be able to empower them, to motivate them, inspire them that, you know, just because you have this illness and, and you're battling, you're fighting a good fight, that it does not mean that you can't live a normal life. It does not mean that you can't go out there if you're in athletics and become this great athlete. And I came up with the O2 Power Games, like O2PG for short. And uh, which is really cool. And so we're going to the O2, O2PG is is that it's going to be a series of athletic events. I mean, uh, it's different sports. I mean, we can have we're going to have football, softball, uh, track and field, a 5K run. And it's just it, it's we're, I mean, it's, it's used to be able to raise money um, for athletes for asthma, but also to be able to empower these kids and to motivate them, to give them hope that like, you know what, you can say no matter how severe your asthma is, you still can come out here and you still come out. You still can be athletic. We're still going to provide you with education. You're still going to help Tyree, Tyree Washington story because um, I'm going to be in the flesh to be able to show you, hey, I'm living proof that I'm living proof that you can be, be um, you can do whatever you want to um, do in life. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And we're going to have uh, mental health panels where we're going to bring in other allergy and asthma specialists and other professional athletes that have asthma like myself. And we're going to talk about our stories and we're going to, and we're going to give parents and coaches feedback because there's a lot of coaches out there that they don't have a contingency plan. And mm-hmm. for kids that have asthma, and, and so that's something that we want to, that with athletes for asthma and with just other doctors and nurses and uh, physicians, would not come up with a plan to where that these coaches can have something that if they're, if one of their athletes um, um, has an asthma attack, they know exactly what to do. Because most of the time when a coach, uh, a kid has an asthma attack, they, uh, they'll call, they'll call, um, EM, they'll call um, ambulance or EMT whatnot, but, but it's, it's a matter of, of, of seconds compare uh, that kid is going to live or die and if you don't know if, the, if you don't if you don't have if you don't have like the rescue inhaler if you don't have the right medication on hand um, it could be all over with and so so just I just want to do my best to be able to just give back um, educationally uh, to help like the parents like I said help coaches help um, children help the teens to be more aware of of, of asthma but also too for them to not have this mentality that they have to live in a bubble because you don't have to live in a bubble. I mean, I'm allergic to uh, so many different things. I have so many different food allergies and people would think that, man, well, you might as well just live in a bubble, but I'm not, I'm just going to live my life. But it's all about, like I said, making sure you're taking the right medication, make sure you're educated about um, um, being asthmatic and having this respiratory illness and just having the right support system um, around, um, around you. I love what you're doing. I think that's so important, especially what you said about educating the coaches touched home because I have a deadly nut allergy. And so I have to carry around an EpiPen. And so when I was a snowboard athlete, like there was so much logistics because you can't have your EpiPen freeze outside, but then you need to make sure your coach is aware and knows where it is and if something ever happened. And so there's just so much logistics that go into when someone has asthma or severe allergies or different things. And if they don't have people around them that know what to do, that could be life or death. So, um, yeah, that education yeah, well, is so key. No, it is key. I mean, cause it's all about having a better quality of life. Right. Yeah. I mean, I want these, I want these kids 
to have a better quality of life. I mean, I don't want their parents to be walking on eggshells and like, I don't know what to do um, with my son or my daughter because they're constantly having these asthma attacks. I mean, we want to, I mean, Allie for Asthma is going to fund research. We want to, we want to, we want to fight um, asthma and we want to be able to find a cure for it. And, but, uh, but along with that, it's just, uh, I, I believe education is so powerful and there's so many great doctors out there. There's so many great allergy and asthma specialists out there that are amazing that I want to, that I want to attach myself to that can, that can come on board and be able to, we can help more kids and we can help them make, help them have a better quality of life, like I was saying earlier. But um, I'm just excited about it because it's, I wish I had this when I was young and I, and, and my, my mother, uh, we, we grew up very poor and, and it's like food. I mean, food can, like I said, food can trigger, um, trigger an asthma attack. And, and I didn't, I didn't have the best of, of food to eat. And so we did what we can and just, um, just with the water, water wasn't great. And I mean, and obviously the, when you're not wearing the proper clothes, because when it's really cold, it can affect your asthma. Even when it's, when it's windy, I, I don't, I don't like the wind. When there's so much, there's so much particles in the air, and it always, I've always have, I, I, I have allergy problems, and it starts affecting my breathing. Then next, you know, I have an, I mean, I start wheezing, then I have an attack, and then my, if my semicore is not working, then I know I'm in, I'm in deep, deep trouble. So it's, it's just all, you know, all these little, just these bullet points. Um, that parents need to know, coaches need to know, and just everyday, just everyday individual, um, that may not do their research. So. We just want to provide them with that. Just provide them with their their blueprint, that cheat sheet, uh, their um, their playbook. You know, they get the asthma playbook. Hey, this is what you these are the do's or the don'ts. Oh, that's amazing. So I definitely encourage anyone listening, if you know someone with asthma, maybe you don't, but you you probably definitely do, even if you're not aware of it. So check this out. Or if you have asthma yourself, I think definitely important to go check out this education because who knows, it could save someone's life if you see them having an asthma attack and you know somewhat of what to do or the signs to look out for. Now, that being said, you you started talking a little bit more about your journey and your childhood. I want to jump back into your story and um, continue. Now, we've been talking a bit about your childhood and having asthma and some of the circumstances. How did you decide between football and track and how did that play out as you were through high school and then going into the next levels? Yeah, I started running track when I was when I was a youngster and and I and I loved it. I mean, I just I love I'm, I'm I love to be competitive. I mean, I want to win and and. But um, once I started playing football, football became my, that became my love. Uh, that, that superseded track. Even though I would go out there and do track, I would do track because I know it would help me to run faster. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't like for me, something that, that gave me those tremendous amount of butterflies. And it made me, it gave me that excitement. Yeah. I mean, I was, I would go out there and, and, and win, and win medals, but Football was, like I said, it was my love. And so as I got older from playing club track, running club track and playing um, pop winter football, when I got into high school, football was like the focus. And, and I was a state champion in long jump in high school. I used to love the long jump. That's why I, I didn't, and I didn't start running the 400 meters until about my, my uh, junior year. Okay. And that's because they needed someone on a relay. And my coaches asked if I would want to jump on and I was, and I'm competitive. I was like, well, why not? I'll just try it out. And that was like, that was pretty much the start of me becoming uh, a great forward and meter runner. But, but then there was football. And, and so I, I just, my focus, I threw all my, I threw a lot of my marbles, most of them into playing football, wanting to go to college and play ball. And they wanted to go to NFL. Walter Payton and Eric Dickerson were, they were, they were both like my, two favorite athletes uh, and I never met them, but I thought they were amazing. I watched them on television and I told my mother and all my teammates, I wanted to be just like them. I mean, I would carry a football around in high school and because I just, 
I just, I, I was like, I want to, I want to be a great NFL player one day. And, but, uh, but track, I, I, I excelled at track. I excelled in track at, at the professional level. I won a, won a lot of world titles. I've been the fastest man in the world. But um, when I, I, I was telling USA Today this year, many years ago, that football is always been my first love. Track is something I did. And I, yes, I had a long career in it. But um, if I, I'm grateful for all the things that happened in track. But if it was, if I could flip it back, I mean, I definitely would want to have been in, in the NFL for like, for like 10, 11 years um, because that's what I love. But I know everything happens for a reason. And, and I, I believe in a lot of ways because the injuries I have now to my body, is, it, it probably was the best thing that I, I didn't stay in football that long because I, I battle with a lot now. But, um, but yeah, football is, I, I love football. It's amazing. I love to hit. <laughs> yeah i i could see like some of those team sports as as an athlete who grew up playing team sports and then ended up you know going into individual sports i always miss that that team aspect of playing those like those were for me it's hockey was my first love and like i'll always yes. like my my parents were always even when i was traveling with the national snowboard team they're like you can still get a tryout at a college for hockey it's like <laughs> what do you i haven't even played organized in years but yeah i don't think you you forget that first sport love like it always is kind of like you have all those memories as a kid you have memories of your teammates and you really hold on to that so what what was it like when you you signed an NFL contract and then you ended up going to track what was that whole process well it was it was it was surreal because I mean I didn't I went to the NFL the non-traditional way most of the time is that you go from high school to a four university, which out of high school, I signed with University of Oregon, but there was a lot of personal reasons, reason why I couldn't stay. And when you go read my book, Against All Odds, you'll, I mean, you can, my, uh, my um, the listeners will find out more about that. But but um, I, I decided to, I went to a junior college, I hired an NFL agent and Dr. Harold Daniels and, and uh, an assistant, and his assistant Jay. And, and I told him, I was like, I, I want to play football. I was like, um, I, even though I've been running, even though I was running track and, but it was when the track that football is like my first love. I still have it in me. I still, I believe I that despite going to a four university, playing with these top, top collegiate uh, top football players in the country, that I could still make a team. And so that's what I did. So they believed in me and they set me up with workouts with uh, various NFL teams. And I went to go work out and did a great job. I ended up signing with the San Diego Chargers, but they weren't the only team that was interested. The Arizona Cardinals, the New York Giants, the Green Bay Packers. So a lot of teams out there that were that, that interest, um, uh, Oakland Raiders at the time. And, and so I, I signed with the chargers and it was great. I was in camp, um, doing really good. I ended up getting hit. I was playing wide receiver. There was a big, there was, there was, I mean, there was some disagreements with me playing um, offense. I'd rather play defense and, um, I ended up getting hurt. I went down, I tried to come back, uh, I tried to come back uh, from injury and it just, things just didn't work out. So I ended up getting released. And then I ended up getting picked up by the Raiders, Oakland Raiders, um, soon after. And that's another story in itself. With uh, go read the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I, but I would say this, Nat. Though it, you know, the experience was amazing. I mean, as a young child, every kid out, every kid in the world. I mean, because football is becoming so is, is universal. It's all over the world now. I mean, you you dream about playing the NFL. You dream about being just like your your favorite football player. I don't I don't want to say I have idols out there. I just like players, right? And um, but um, 
but you, you, you dream about that. And when you become one, and I, when I put my jersey on, I'm like, man, I, like, I have an NFL jersey on. I have my NFL football, football, football um, uh, cap on. And I mean, I'm taking pictures. I'm on the raw. I mean, I'm on, I'm, I'm on the, you're like, I'm on the roster. You know, you have all these, these things you're thinking about in your, and it's like a, you have a, a thousand thoughts and it seems like you're in a dream and you want somebody just to pinch you so you can just wake up because, because it's not really real. But, but once you get hit and coach starts yelling at you and you're in film and they're like, Hey, Ty, you're supposed to be here you're like man this is real stuff like like you actually made it and so I'm, I'm forever grateful I didn't spend years in the league I mean Tom Brady and many other guys have spent 20 years doing amazing Tom's still doing amazing and but um I'm grateful because I despite the despite all the things I was going through in my life and all everything I had to overcome that everything was against me I was I was supposed to be a statistic um when you're raised by a single parent um your mother you know your grandmother there's no father in the home in the ghetto the projects I mean, you're getting in trouble. I was, I was in a lot of trouble as a youngster. Uh, uh, like I said, there's statistics for everything. Statistically, I was not supposed to make it. I was either supposed to be dead, I was supposed to be in jail, or I was supposed to be in prison, or just wandering the streets, not doing anything with my life. So I could have took that road, but I took the high. I took the high road. I wanted, like I said, I wanted better for my life, and I'm a visionary, and so I, I, I like to, I, I see myself doing things before I even do it, and, and when it's going to happen, I have no idea. And uh, it's, it's like Jack Canfield was one of my co-authors, Chicken Soup for the Soul. He would always say, don't worry about how it's going to happen. Just go out there and just do it. Everything else will just fall into place. And it's it's so true. That's why goals are, are extremely important. I mean, it's to write your goals down and not and, and even write them down, put them up where you can see them, give them to your coach, give them to your parents, give them to whoever is going to hold you accountable. So when you when you're when you're starting to struggle or you may start, you may, you may, uh, you may lose hope or you may not be motivated, that person can remind you, hey, listen, remember you wrote this down? Remember you say you want to go to a four-year college and you want to become a law student, or you want to become a doctor, or you'll become this professional athlete, or you'll become a nurse hey this is what you wrote down you still can do it it's i mean it's not like life is not a, a smooth paved road it's not there's a bunch of bumps and there's there's different routes that people take and 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 this canals and i mean it's there's so much within life that that just it, it causes people to get frustrated it, it causes them to want to just tap out and i think that the key is to continue to keep pushing forward is to always try to get better to, to make sure that you're always leveling up and and it, even though you may not be a doctor yet even though you might be a lawyer a professional athlete start start doing those things now I mean, you can internship. If you have an entrepreneur, start. Uh, um, you can go get business cards. You can develop a website. I mean, you can talk to entrepreneurs that are successful. I mean, start living that life now, even though you're not completely that yet now, because you will become that um, um, sooner or later. And, I, and that's what I just encourage. And that's what I've done with my life. I'm not, like I said, I'm not the smartest person, but best be sure I'm going to get the smartest people around me and they're going to educate me and they're going to teach me and I'm going to learn because I mean, we're constantly in being, we're constantly in school. It doesn't really matter how much, how old we are uh, or how young you are. It's, it's always a learning process just to get better. I love that. And I love that you mentioned accountability because I think that's, that's so important when it comes to goal setting. And speaking of that accountability, let's go to your, your, your track career. You raced against a lot of people who were doping and that's part of your story of, you know, winning the four by 400 and then a member of your team was doping and then you coming silver. And then the person who came first place was doping. And so you got upgraded to that gold and we expect in sports to hold each other accountable to, you know, safe sport and true sport and clean sport. 
But unfortunately, uh, you know, people are always going to cheat and they're always going to have that mentality. What was that like racing against people who now, you know, were doping? And what was it like experiencing both the upgrade in your medal and as well as, you know, experiencing getting a medal taken away because of a teammate's decision? Well, Pops told me many years ago while I was in junior college, because I, I, when I went to junior college to run track, broke the national record and ran 44.5 at the second fastest time in the world behind Michael Johnson. And um, and for those that don't know Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson wore the gold shoes. He, he a year prior, he had broke the Olympic record in the 200 meters, ran 1932, broke the Olympic, uh, broke the world record in the 200 and broke, broke the Olympic record in the 400 meters. So it was, uh, it, it was, uh, I had an amazing year in 1997, but Pops told me straight up off the back. He said, listen, you're going to race a lot of athletes that are doping. And, and so the mentality was is that we're going to beat them while they're on drugs because I want to retire. Them. That mm. was my mentality. I'm going to like, cause they're, they're only good as they're they only good as the stairways that they were taking. But so I knew, I knew that once I go out there and I'm, and I'm going to work hard, I'm going to put in the work. I mean, I used to train at 11 o'clock at night. I would do whatever I can. It was like, literally, I had the, the Rocky Balboa mentality um, that I'm just going to dethrone these Ivan Drago's. I'm going to take them out. And so I, I knew that I knew in my race that there was somebody that was, that was doped out of their mind. But, but if I, like, I'm going to go, my goal was to my, like I said, go out there and beat them and get them frustrated to the point to where they're like, how is this guy beating me? And I'm on the juice. Hmm. So, and yeah. And so, so now they're mind boggled. They, 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 they're mind boggled. Like I said, they're frustrated and they're going to keep on juicing up or they're going to, they're going to quit. A lot of them and eventually end up getting popped. And, and that's where Balco comes in. The Balco scandal was, um, it, it, it was, it was to me horrific. It was tragic. It broke a lot of hearts. It broke my heart. And, and I lost, I ended up, uh, I ended up losing. I originally won eight world titles and I had a world record. I lost four world titles and, and my world record. And, and it was, it was very frustrating to see myself in the paper and to see, uh, see my story all over AP news, all over the internet, it's everywhere. Tyree Washington's losing the four by four, meter world record. Tyree Washington's losing the world championship gold medal from 1997, from 2003. It's just flashing everywhere. And I'm like, Holy moly, this is crazy. And then, then my teammates come out because then my teammates confess that they were doping. And, and and that's because the feds come in. The feds don't care about anybody. And I mean, if they if, if you've done something wrong, I mean, they're going to come and get you. I not truly believe that. And so and, and that happened. Uh, Antonio Pettigrew, he committed suicide. Um, I had no idea he was dope. My, my, my best friend, Jerome Young, who most of the time when you're a 400 meter runner, you don't roommate with another 400 meter runner because that's just like two having two cage lions together. You're going to I mean, you're going to go you're going to go at it. And but we we roommate together. I mean, we had that type of friendship and we would just joke around. Hey, I'm going to you know hope you're on your game tonight because I'm going to beat you. And I'm like, well, I'm going to beat you. But when he went down and he got banned. Uh, that really broke my heart. And so it just to see so many athletes from Marion Jones and, and then from other sports uh, be a part of the Balco scandal. It just, there was a lot of betrayal. Um, that brotherhood and that sisterhood was, um, a lot of it was severed. Um, that, that, that bond was no longer there. And, and for me, it was just, it hurt because these are people that I, I, I trusted that when you come together as a team that we're relying on each other that hey we're not going to do anything to do. we're not going to put anything in our mouth um that's that's illegal to jeopardize jeopardize each each and every member of this team and the relay and, and and to be able and to put a stain on our country and but it goes back to greed people are so greedy and and that's mm -hmm. what I realized that 
we all want to be, I mean, everybody wants to be first. Nobody wants to be last. I mean, let's be real about it. Nobody wants to be, get, be dead last. Nobody wants to be, to not get that promotion or not be the top salesperson and or the top uh, uh, MVP of their, their team. But not everybody's going to be MVP. Not everybody's going to be the top salesperson. Not everybody's going to be a world champion. Everybody's going to get a gold medal. You may not have a medal, period. But the fact is that if you're giving your best and you're, you're, you're trying, you are a champion. I don't care if you finish first, second, or third. I don't care if you make a national team. I don't even care if you if you if you ever get signed to a, a, any professional team for that matter, and you become the top um, uh, the top top nurse or whatever, of top physician or top lawyer in your field. But long as you just like I said, keep pushing forward, give it your best, give it your all. You're never topping out. You're never tapping out because to me, when you stop trying, that's when you fail. But when you keep trying, you become that you're always going to be that champion in my book. And, and that's why with this whole doping scandal with Balco, it was so frustrating because the athletes didn't need to dope. That, that was the kicker. They didn't even need it. But like I said, the common denominator, while everybody is like they fall from grace, it was greed. They wanted more. And, and I believe that. I mean, I got my butt kicked. I mean, best believe. I mean, I, I got my butt kicked, and I and I was ticked off that I that I lost my race, and or I didn't I didn't get first, and I didn't get I didn't make X amount of money, or I may not have made this team. But what I but one thing about Tyree Washington is that is that I went I went back to the I went back to the whiteboard, right? I went back to the whiteboard, and I went back to watch the film. Hey, what did I do wrong? Was I not mentally right? Right? Did I not did I not execute my race like I was supposed to? Did I hit my 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 pressure points on the track, or whatever it may be, and so it's on me. Everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else, but they need to point the finger at themselves. And so that's why I have to like, I, whatever, my, my pops told me this. He said, if you can, if everybody has a weakness and if you can figure out what that weakness is and you can turn it into a strength, you can flip it and turn it into a strength. Think about how much better you're going to become. And so that's what I've done my whole career. That's what I've done in my life because I have a lot of weaknesses and I just work on like, hey, how can I just flip them? How can I flip the weakness to a strength so I can get better in life? I ain't trying, like I said, I'm not trying to get perfect, but um, Balco was hard for me. It it, it, it still stings. Um, my documentary that I'm going to have, um, either documentary, docuseries, the movie, we've been working on that for over a year now. And just going to, uh, my producers are working on, connect, working on connecting with the right film company, the right director. And there's a lot of things in my book that I didn't talk about that I'll talk about in the documentary, but it's going to be amazing because it's going to, like I said, it's going to empower people. It's going to motivate them. It's going to give them hope. And it doesn't really matter about your race, your culture, or or your, your financial status, if you're famous or not famous. We all go through hard times in life. And the whole point of, of, of my, my book, uh, the docuseries, movie, documentary, whatever it may be, whatever they decide, is to uplift people. I want to elevate people. I want people to, to live their best life, right? Um, doing things the right way, not the wrong way, the right way. And so uh, that's, I don't, I don't think of myself as some, I don't, I'm not a God. Um, I'm not, I don't have superpowers. Um, I mean, I just, I just work hard. I just work hard. And when I want something, um, I, I try to do my best to go get it. And, and if I'm struggling, I just try to pull in the right people to be able to help me. I pull, I, I call, I refer to them as my lifelines. We all should, we all have lifelines, people that, that are more mature than us, more wiser, um, they have more knowledge in us that, that when we're in our darkest times and even when you're doing good, I mean, it's just even with mental health, I talk about mental health a lot. Even when you're doing good, you still want to be able to have someone to reinforce that positivity. You want to still continue to keep learning and still get to try to be in that, that space and not spiral down into something bad. 
Wow. Well, first, I'm really excited about the potential docu-series or documentary. Um, that would be awesome. And definitely everyone, you got to go watch it uh, when it does eventually get produced and, and comes out. But number yes. two is I like what you said about trying and about respecting people for trying. And I've been actually, I've been looking forward to all day about having this conversation on doping, especially because it's been, I wrote uh, like a university term paper on uh, on doping, on if it should be just made legal because so many people are cheating. And I argued, no, I don't think so. Um, nope. But in my sport, especially like in, in CrossFit, there's been a recent, just this week, doping scandal. And so I was talking with some friends about it this morning and I was thinking to like, you know, the reasonings that these people are giving and why they did it. And to me, it really ties back to like the mindset and mental health. And it's like, it, it goes to feeling like they need to have this result for their identity or their worth to be something. And like you said, the greed of needing to have more and achieve this. And it seems like since we've been talking from the beginning that you've really had that mentality of just wanting to get better versus, you know, having to have this certain result or, you know, you can be proud in the effort that you gave and the work that you put in versus, you know, needing to take something to get that one thing ahead or ensure you're going to get that result. But then, cause I, I just can't, I, every time I think about it, I was like, I I've understood being in that mindset of really needing those results and feeling like you need that, but I just couldn't live with myself. If, you know, you took this path that was illegal or, um, not to the ethics and morals of your sport or your community to get there. And so what, what do you think it is that drives these people apart from like, is it kind of what I'm hinting at a little bit with the mindset and mental health? And also how can we better support the structures and support that prevent people from feeling that need that they have to cheat or do these things because they need that result so badly for their, you know, self-worth or for just greed of getting more. Well, the sad part is now we can't stop it. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter how much education we put out there. It doesn't matter how many, it doesn't matter like uh, how many times I share my story. It doesn't matter how many articles that you may write, how many articles I write. Uh, it's just the fact is people are going to be greedy. People, uh, we all have different mindsets, right? We all come from different spaces in life. And so a lot of people look at it like, well, that who can, first of all, no one, People only care about the first place finisher. They don't care about second, third, fourth. They don't care about that. They 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 look at the money. They look at well, is they playing? It's like they love to play Russian roulette, right? They're like, well, I'm gonna go out here and try to get what I want, even though I'm gonna I'm gonna even though I'm gonna abuse my teammates. I'm gonna abuse the sport. I'm gonna abuse my body um, because this could potentially set me up for the rest of my life. Mm. It, can, it, can, it can make me, it can make me famous and, and it can help me to have this notoriety. I can have this, this power, I can have this respect. And so that's why a lot of, a lot of people, they're, they're willing, like I said, to play Russian when they put those bullets in the chamber and just, and just spin the barrel and it's, and they keep on doing it until one day they eventually get hit. Everybody get hit one way or another. You may not, you, you may not get, ever get caught, but then your health, your health starts to deteriorate, mm -hmm. right? It gets you. And many years ago, there was an article and I, I, and I, I forgot, I don't know if it was, I forgot, uh, like actually, who wrote the article? But they said it was, it was like sixty percent. I think it was like astronomical number, which is crazy. Like sixty-seven percent of athletes said they would rather use steroids, get a lot of fame and money, and die in five years. 
Oh my God. And I'm like, which, which is crazy, but that's true because that's happening now. I yeah. mean, you look at from CrossFit, you look at from football, you look at from track. It's so many, there's so many other sports out there to where athletes are willing to take that risk. They're willing to play that Russian roulette because of fame, because of notoriety, because of the money, because of the, the power, because of the respect. They want all of it. And, and they're, and they're, and they're saying that like, well, my, to me is like, what they're really saying is that my life is really not that important. Mm. I don't really care. So if I fight, if I die, at least when I, when I do die, I'm going to die being, uh, I have a lot of money. I'm going to die being famous. I'm going to have, the, I'm going to have this, this res- res- respect, but you're really not because to me, in a sense, it's like being a coward. It's like you're a coward. You took away from somebody else. And that's the narrative that I want to, that, uh, that, you know, in, in my, in my docuseries and move whatever they decide, we're going to basically kind of flip the narrative because you think about this, all these athletes that are doping, right? Once they if they come up with this bogus excuse of why they were doping, say, oh, I ate this, I ate a burrito and it was contaminated. <laughs> oh, I was drinking alcohol, um, and or I was I was having sex or whatever it may be, and it caused my testosterone to go up, and so that's why I, I my my testosterone was elevated and, and I'm testing positive. I mean, there's so many different reasons out there, and so they come up with these reasons, then they go on talk shows and talk about those reasons, mm-hmm. right, to give their excuse, and they, they, then they go write books and they're in magazines and they mm-hmm. then they go do documentaries. So what's happening? They're making more money, yeah. right? We're glor- we're glorifying this crap. So, but we have to think about it. We have to publicize athletes that are doing it the right way, the yes. correct way, that they're not cheating. We need to be lifting them up. And so we have, we have to change that narrative. And that's why people understand when I lost my medals, right? They gave me my medal, my world championship gold medal at the U.S. National Championship in Oregon. I was ticked off. I'm like, this is ridiculous. My medal should, I should you should give me my medal at the world championships, which was going to be happening in Berlin. That was back in 2009, right? But but then I felt because of there was a lot of stuff, a lot of layers to this, is that if I did go to Berlin and because all that happened with Balco, that I feel like my life would have been in jeopardy. Hmm. So it was a good thing I didn't go to Germany, but I was upset that they gave my medal um, at, at, um, at, the, uh, at, at the national championship because it's a world championship medal. It's, it's like they wanted to water it down. But I just feel like to me that athletes that are doping, they get they, they're glorifying them more than the athletes that were not doping. I can never go back in time on the podium. And, yeah. and for them to, to relive the moment, I can never go back and receive my world championship gold medal. I can't go back and and retrieve all the money that I lost. I lost millions of dollars. I can't go back. I, I can't erase all the articles out there that have my name tied to it because tied to the doping because of my teammates, mm-hmm. because a lot of people are thinking like, well, Tyree Washington was probably dope, doping, but he just didn't get caught. I mean, they start to think they start to think that. I mean, Michael Johnson was dope because he, me, me, you know, we're the we're the only two that weren't um, using um, PEDs, and so so it's just I, I believe that we need to uplift athletes that are doing it the clean way. Yeah. We need to glorify. They need to be on talk shows. They need to be on magazines. They need to be doing documentaries when they're excelling and when they're excelling at that high level. And they and they have they have overcome the odds. I mean, we all have. Everybody has a story. Um, every other story is something they can talk about uh, you know, against all odds. That's the name of my book. I mean, and but until we start educating, and this is to answer your question, how are we going to slow it down? We can only slow it down by educating the younger generation of what not to do. So these and these are the reasons. If you go out there and use PEDs, that it could tarnish your career, it could take your life, um, it, take, it could take your life, it could um, destroy your family, it could destroy your friends. 
It can ruin business relationships. It's, it's a ripple effect. It can destroy everything in every every um, aspect of your life. That's what we have to understand. These uh, we have to share with these kids and let them and be very transparent about it because they're not invincible. Nobody is nobody's invincible. Sooner or later, you're going to get caught. You may not get caught in your career, but it's going to get you in your health. It's going to hit you that way. And I guarantee that. I really appreciate you saying that about not glorifying the people who are, yeah, like they're going on talk shows or writing books or doing all these crazy things because I've been thinking the exact same thing with one, it tarnishes the sport because people look at the top levels and then they're thinking, oh, okay, let's say CrossFit, all these CrossFitters, if they're that good, they must be using, or if this person came 20th and was using, then what about the first place? When the first place could totally be clean, but you, you've you tarnished that record in that sport because you're thinking, well, if this person, then these people. And then uh, going back to to what you said about giving them the glory, like when this when it came out, the, this one CrossFit athlete this week was using, he was actually straightforward which is rare. They often use the same excuses that you mentioned. He said, yeah, I took it. And this was the reason it was, I was in a dark place. I felt like I needed this. I needed to finally make it after nine years of trying to make it to this event and so on. But people were like, oh, respect. Like I, I support you and this because you've owned it. And I was, he would have only owned it if he, because he got caught, he would never have came forward if he would have gone on to the CrossFit games, which are like the world championships of CrossFit, yes. if he would have podiumed or all these things. And why are we glorifying and giving now he's on podcasts and doing all these things, this attention when it should be like, Hey, how about those other people who the person who now is getting his spot because you know, this person had taken away his spot and I was getting it. Let's give him attention. Let's shine a light on these people who are, who, you know, passed their drug test, not the one who failed it. And now we're giving all this respect to. And so it, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me because then it's glorifying. And like you said, if they want the fame, you know, it it doesn't deter more people from doing it. No, it doesn't. I mean, and and this, the sad reality is that we live in a world that is driven, just driven by just, just, just driven by, like I said, by greed and and just wanting to see people do freakish things, right? Mm. They want to that's we we, we people want to see you know athletes do stuff that's just um just not human yeah. and just superhuman. And and so when you see when they see that, it's like you get there's there's just more views. People love that. But then when they find out that this athlete was doping, it's like it's just almost like no, oh crap. Like, well, that's the reason why he did it. But then it comes up with an excuse. Like he, cause to me, right. He didn't own anything. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, well, you, you owned up, you confessed to what you did wrong because yeah, you did get caught. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if they didn't have drug testing, if no one was trying to catch the cheaters, he would have got away scot. He would have got away scot-free. All the athletes that were doping would have got away scot-free, but the athlete that was runner up, in the second place and then the third place, whatnot, people are not talking about them. They don't know. They don't talk about the mental health, how they're affected by that, how they don't realize that when that athlete, I mean, I don't know how it is in CrossFit and if there's, there's prize money involved, but when, but when, but when you lose out on that prize money, that prize money could change that whatever it may be could change your whole life. That could be like that, that money can go towards your education. Uh, education it could pay off some it could pay off your debt it could be a down payment on your house it could do a lot of things to change your life and so in a sense these people these athletes that are doping they're 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 robbing their teammates they're robbing their competitors of of the the, the of the financial gain and that and and and, and, and the fame they're, they're robbing them that because they're so greedy so i have like i mean i believe in forgiveness 
right? I believe that we're not perfect, but I do believe in, I do believe in that they should be penalized for it. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, I believe in a zero tolerance and track and field. I believe you're doping and you're using steroids because you can't go back in time. You can't retrieve your money. You can't, there, there's a ripple effect. It does fix your, it does affect your mental health. You should be banned for life. You're done. You're yeah. gone. I believe in lifetime, I believe in lifetime bans. And a lot of times people will say, well, Ty, Ty, that's so harsh. I mean, it's coming from a person that's lost many world championship medals. I mean, you can't get bigger than the world. I mean, we yeah. you can't. So when you can when you can excel at that level, I mean, it's just um, and you're losing a world record. It's just for me, I'm like, no, you're done because I've lost so much. And it it, it affected me mentally. It, it it just it really broke my heart because. I, I knew my teammates didn't need, they didn't need to use drugs. And so I feel like the same way in CrossFit, if these athletes, he knew he was, we're, I, I've been in many dark places. I, my sister, my sister committed murder. She killed my niece in 2000, horrifically her and her boyfriend. This is a month before the Olympic trials. I could have been, I, I got, I, I, um, because of it, I got sick. I had an asthma attack. My doctor tried to clear my lungs up, give me medication. It didn't work. Went to the Olympic trials. I'm the second fastest 400 meter run in the world behind, behind Michael Johnson. I didn't make the team. I, I walked out of the stadium, cried like a baby on the curb. Now I could have easily said I was in a dark place and you know what I'm doing? I'm just going to dope up because I'm not feeling too well. I got to make this team. So mm-hmm. I got to make this team because I want to be, I want to be the gold medalist at the uh, Sydney Australia Olympics. I know this, it's going to set my family up financially. whatnot. It's coming all these different excuses, right? And why, you know, um, to get what I, to get what I want, because I want to, I want to dope, be doped out of my mind. I didn't do that. So I think we have to have, we have to have a lot of empathy. Think about your teammates. Think about the sport. Think about how many people you're going to affect before you go put that needle in your veins, before you go take that pill, whatever it may be. Think about that. How many people you're going to help? I mean, you're going to affect the, uh, you know, when you, when you don't, when you're, when you use PEDs. And to me, hopefully you have some type of empathy. You have like, you would have, you would have uh, some kindness in your heart to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to jeopardize my teammates. But a lot of athletes think, a lot of athletes see other athletes that are doing, doing, amazing athletically and they may be doing freakish stuff and they're like well he's probably juicing too so if he's juicing then i'm gonna juice that's another excuse well i thought he was doping up i thought she was doped up so that's why i did it you should we should be worried about we should be worried about or concerned about what other people are doing you we should be concerned about what we're doing and making right and making the right decision so i don't i don't i don't tolerate the doping and and i'm, I'm for a lifetime ban i should be a, if i was on a panel if i was on the ethics committee of crossfit they're done because I've seen, I seen the damage it causes, um, how it ruins lives and careers, families. It ruins, um, it ruins federations. I see the damage that it causes and, and it's not glamorous at all. I don't like it. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We actually, there's an athlete who came third place at the CrossFit games, uh, I think four years ago, and then it was found out that he was doping and yeah, there's big prize money at the CrossFit games, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this athlete now has served his four-year ban and has, is back. He qualified for the CrossFit games again this year. And I, people are supporting him. There's sponsors are back on board. They, you know, people embrace this comeback journey this um redemption story but personally i think it's i agree with you lifetime ban i really i really agree with with that entirely yeah and, and i and i and I, like i said a lot of people think that's harsh but people have to understand is that that athlete that was runner-up they like i said i mean i can't emphasize this enough they can't go back in time 
You can't go back on time at that on the podium and enjoy that moment, but you know, by yourself. I mean, you know, I mean, just with your your family, with your fans. I mean, with your team, you can, your teammates. You can't enjoy it. it's gone. All the sponsorships, all the endorsement money that you would have possibly received from being from being the CrossFit champion that that's that's gone. And so the other person that was the other person that was using uh, performance enhancing drugs, they took that away from. They robbed you, so they don't need to come back to the sport. They knowingly, they knowingly um, took took a steroids, and they and they knew the, the the effects of it and how it was gonna how it was gonna hurt other athletes and, and like I said, the, the the their family, friends, etc. So it's just I don't I don't I don't I don't believe in in I, I, people say yes yeah, second chances. I believe in forgiveness. I'm gonna still forgive you for what happened. I'm gonna still forgive you, but there's still a consequence for it. I mean, that, that's with any, that's anybody, myself, whoever, we're all in the same boat. There's a consequence. And that consequence is that you have to be banned for life. Um, if I was on the, if I was on, on the board, it, it would be lifetime bans. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing this so uh, openly and, and talking about this. I've been, I, I really love you. Well, I, I, I wish we didn't have to talk about doping, but I've been <laughs> looking forward to diving into it with you because I definitely have, you know, strong feelings about it as well. And I'm sure we could go on forever about it, but I think people are going to have to watch your, your docu-series or documentary when yes. it comes out, definitely get your book. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but before we get into the last few quick fire questions, I wanted to ask you about um, a quote I've seen and ask you about the different parts of it. And it said, regardless of the adversity you may encounter, I have it, I'm reading it uh, from in front of me. If you act as if your situation has already changed, maintain a positive mindset and surround yourself with positive people, there is no adversity you cannot overcome. I want to break that down and just ask you about the few different parts. So number one, how can you act as if a situation has already changed? And what advice could you give to someone who, you know, maybe they're in a tough situation and they want to get to a better situation? Well, I think hope. Hope is extremely powerful. I mean, we have to understand, I mean, just with just what happened with COVID, right? I mean, like we, I mean, just this um, pandemic, there's pandemics that happened before people um, um, and, and people have overcome uh, the pandemic and they excelled in life. So anybody that's going through something tragic in their life, uh, something horrific, and that has uh, they have pushed forward in life and put their best their best foot forward and and, and made it to the top, even if where and whatever that top may be. I mean, it's, everybody's top is different, is that we need to we need to attach ourselves to them. We need to look at them and 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 have this this um the, have the hope that whatever we're going through in our life, that it's gonna get better. And that and that's what I do. I, I think about all the stuff that's going on in my life, all the things that, that happened to me, somebody else has gone through it. And so I'm like, if they've gone through it and they, and they made it, they persevered, I can do the same thing. So that's what hope is a powerful word. Your hope. I mean, all the stuff you overcome with your asthma and the things you like in your life, you have a story. We all have a story out there. We all put, we've all put our best foot forward. We made it. So there's millions of billions of people out there that have that, that, that are hope out there. So that's how we're going to get better in life. That's how we're going to keep pushing, keep pushing forward. And we're going to elevate out of our, out of our situation, whatever that may be. I love it. The importance of hope. That's so great. I think it might that answer might touch on this next question, but you say maintain a positive mindset. So how can somebody who's in a really negative mindset switch to the more positive mindset and how can they maintain that over time? Well, I think it goes, it goes back to who you attach yourself with. I mean, it goes back to what you read, what you watch, what you listen to. 
and who you're with. I mean, if you're with if, if you're with negative people, you're going to get negative. That negativity is going to come back in your life. But yeah, but if you're with positive people, positivity is going to come back in your life. And so I tend to like I'm I get in a funk. I'm not always in a good mood. I'm like, you know, there, there's times I want to be the negative Naren and I'm frustrated. And so my pops who passed away months ago, he would check me. I mean, he would check me like, like, no, like look at all the great things that you have, that you've accomplished in life. See, how we get rid of negativity is, is, is gratitude, right? Better gratitude, you know, when you have more gratitude, you have a better attitude, right? And so that's the thing. Focus on the things that you do have because there's so many people in the world that are more worse off than you are. And you may have very little, you may say, I have very, very little, but there's somebody that has hardly anything. Right. So gratitude helps you have a better attitude and it takes away that negativity. Mm, I love that gratitude and surrounding yourself with positive people. And you've mentioned your pops a few times. It sounds like he was an amazing person who's given you so much guidance and advice. And so going into the last three questions that I ask every guest, the first one is out of all your daily habits, what is the single biggest game changer for you? Oh, the single best game changer um, is. It's just a. I, I, I go back to just just um, work on just getting better. Just I just I think that just helps me. It's just it's it's very simple. Um, I just uh, being better. Um, I, ta- I I look at the brighter things. And I look at the bright side of uh, of life. Uh, just um, people that are doing good and and um, and and I just I just try to replicate that in my life. That's I love what, that. I just try to just try to keep it very simple. Amazing. Like those small 1% wins each day, whether yeah. you're, you know, yeah, putting in the work and it's all going to stack up. That's incredible. Um, number two is your like visualize your at the end of your life, however long that might be. Um, you're looking back on everything you've accomplished and you've done. What is that impact that you wanted to have made? I want, I want people, to, I want people to, to look at my life and like Tyree Washington gave a lot of people hope mm. um, to keep pushing forward and life. Um, no matter what they're going, no matter whatever they, you know, no matter what they're going through um, in their own life, and I don't want them. I did a lot of great things athletically, but but I want them. I want people to really, really, really remember me as someone that just gave back to people that was less fortunate, that didn't that didn't have that didn't have much, and 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 to me, what makes somebody rich? Yeah, it's like yeah, you talk about money, you talk about how materialistic stuff. But what makes someone rich and and have that, that joy and that empowerment, uh, that excitement is is having is 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 being able to have that complete happiness within them internally. To me, that's to me that's being rich, and so that's what I want to give to people. I want them just to accept who they are, and not to be anybody else that they didn't want to be. To not be perfect, just to always be authentic and to be organic, and be, and and to be like he was a giver. He was more of a giver than he was a taker. That's something to remember. And not because the athletic part is great. My pops, before he passed, he said that I did great in athletics, but but the the next portion of my life is going to be the best part of the best part of my life. And and I he's so right. I mean, he's hundred percent right because this new journey that I'm on, which is speaking more, educating, uh, that's giving back to people that are less fortunate, and is that's what brings me complete joy. And I think that's what we, that's what I want people to remember, remember me by is like, Hey, you brought a lot of joy in the world. Mm. Well, I appreciate you for already creating that impact with so many, because I think you're giving hope to so many different people and definitely uh, appreciate how you're able to turn those struggles and the adversity you've gone to through into hope and, you know, positivity and lessons for other people um, so that their lives can be better. I think that's such a gift because 
there's, you know, there's different paths that you can take when you experience some of that adversity and different things. And so such an amazing gift to be able to turn it into uh, better times for other people. Um, the last question that I have is when you think of the term all in, what does it mean to you? It's just giving your best. Don't have one foot in, one foot out. You know, be, be, give, give it your all and everything that you do and just give it your best and never, nothing, ever, nothing short of that. Um, don't, don't try to, don't try to cut corners. Don't try to give 25%, 75%, always give a hundred percent. And like I said, it's all about just being, just all about just giving it your best and just keep, keep fighting, keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward. Don't let, I would say, don't let um, life will try to put you in the arm bar, but don't dare tap out. Keep fighting back. Amazing. Well, Tyree, thank you so much for sharing your story, being so open and vulnerable about it, for already creating um, the impact that you want to create. I think you're already doing it in the world. And um, hopefully people will check out your book, Against All Odds, as well as, you know, follow you over on social. We'll put that in the show notes so that people can keep track. I assume that's the best place for people to keep track of if the docuseries and documentaries coming out, as well as yes. with everything you're doing. Yes, no, yeah, most definitely. And I just, and, and for all my listeners out there, uh, please donate to Athletes First Asthma, right? The O2 Power Games and the the, the mental, uh, the, the asthma, um, the um, um, Athletes First Asthma panels that we're going to have. Um, donations are going to make that happen, right? That's one thing about nonprofits. I mean, we rely on donations. So um, every there's no donation that's too small. Whatever you can give, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, to me, it all adds up. And I'm going to leave you guys with this quote um, that my pop gave to me, my pops gave to me many years ago and it's destiny can be delayed but not denied and what that means is that we all have a destiny but um, during but during our time here on earth we're going to go through a lot of things and it may be tragic it may be horrific um, it may be frustrating but just keep pushing forward because um, it's never going to stop you from reaching your destination it may slow you down but it's never going to stop you so keep pushing forward I love that. I that's a perfect way to end things off. I'll make sure to put the link for donating to athletes versus asthma in the show notes. And again, appreciate you for coming on, sharing your story and inspiring so many other people. Thank you so much, Nat. Appreciate it. If you like the podcast, the best way to support it is to leave a review and share it with a friend. Truly leaving a written review, letting us know what you liked and want more of and sharing the podcast so more people can benefit is the best gift you could possibly give us. Thanks again for listening. I'm so grateful for your support and I'll catch you on the next one.